Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. All I'm saying, Craig, is that uh, I got the flu vaccine and then there was lightning that day. So it's coincidence? I don't know. <laughs> Do you think you're controlling the elements? You... Yeah, I'm a regular fucking... What, like, a, what a nerdy Danny Ray or... superhero <laughs> origin story that would be. <laughs> I got a flu vaccine and now I've got my own comic book. I will say, I feel rough since getting it because... I, I mean, that's what it does. I've, it does, yeah, it fucks you up. I've also got the head cold. But like, I, there I was, right, in the pharmacist and I was sitting in this kind of isolated room and the light went off. So I'm sitting there in the dark as a, like, and I'm just like, I, I clearly look like a psychopath now, but I don't know where the switch is. The nurse eventually comes around and she like, you know, like goes Your to nurse. me. <laughs> I like the idea of the, it. The nurse. Uh, and well, I don't know, is she a doctor? I don't know what she was, but like a, a trained medical professional, I presume. Thank you. Who had a, why? What? You're not a trained medical professional. What, what are you? I'm just saying thank you for on referring behalf. to, yeah, on behalf of her being a trained medical Fucking professional. Clap for our care workers again, is it? It's two years ago, is it? <laughs> it's been two years, you it's know? Been, it has. So listen, I'm sitting there in the dark. I'm in the dark, like Pacino and Scent of a Woman. And eventually light comes back on just in time. And I'm like, cool, I can avoid some kind of weird Michael Myers situation. But uh, basically, I get my shot. And she, before she gives me the shot, she goes, um, are you fond of needles? And I said, <laughs> no, not really. And then she goes, had a little chuckle to herself and she goes, uh, ha, uh, everyone with tattoos is the same thing, isn't it? And I was like, what? what? And, and I literally, I, and in that moment I was that meme, that guy with the butterfly and I'm like, is this flirting? Like, what was this? Every time you go to a medical appointment, you yeah. assume someone is flirting with you. <laughs> Anytime I go most places. Maybe, maybe you're not wrong. Remember the know? time I went to that piercing shop and I was like, you know, Called a good boy. Oh yeah, and I went very Maybe good. It's boy. Needle related. There's a lot of free song going on there. Might be. What do you think of lightning? Did you enjoy it? It was great. Yeah, the cats were. They had two very different reactions to new listeners to the show. I have two cats, and Harlem took over. He went under the table and was like kind of freaked out. And Bowie was like, "Let me out." Like he <laughs> ran to the door and was like jumping up against it, being like, I need to get amongst it. So Excellent. Excellent. That was what was happening in Big LXP. Lovely. I enjoyed it too. And it made me supercharged for this episode of New Encore. Yeah. Let's go.
name is Dave Hanratty, and there will be no encore. Welcome to a stacked episode, he says, before they've even recorded a note of it. Um, it. It will be a big one, though, Craig, because we've got a new section. We've got our first album review in months, I will say. Wait a minute. Say. Can we remember our last one? Was uh, Letty Grammar? It might have been Kendrick, like was it? Oh, it was Kendrick. It was 100% Maybe Kendrick. there was one the following Kendrick. it was Kendrick because we were so spent after that. We were just like, we can't do an album review. I'm going to go and look it up now. Just, just bear with me a second. But um, I think it was Kendrick, but there may have been one that followed. And what's our top five this week while I'm looking this up? Our top five is top five songs with love in the title because that's what the 1975 are all about at the moment. They're pairing things back. It's simple love songs. It's it's plenty of earnestness. And um, yeah, so I suggested this top five and then I went to all of the songs with love in the title and I thought, how in the name of God am I going to pare this down to five? You had the same kind of experience, right? This was a tough one. Oh, yeah. My short list was 18 songs yeah. as of like last night. So I got it down to five. It was very difficult. Uh, some tough love, you could say. The, there was one more album review. I wasn't here for it, though. Fanula Jones was. Ah, right. It was you and Fanula. Yeah. Harry Styles. Harry Styles, who we might be talking about in the news section. It could happen. Uh, But before we get to that news section, listener, I want to let you know that there is, in fact, speaking of something we haven't done for a long time, distressingly, there's a new episode of No Ox Court out now (sighs) over on patreon.com. Slash No Encore. Myself, Craig and Adam sat down Sunday morning, 15 songs five each recommends there's a playlist in there as well an hour and ten minute episode I, I do believe it's out now over at patreon.com slash no encore exclusively for patrons of the show we appreciate all your support and I should also apologise not just for us taking way too long to deliver a new episode but also what have we as, done uh, uh, and it's not what you did it's what I did okay there's another nine pointed out in a private message, thankfully. <laughs> Didn't roast me publicly. Uh, I made a mistake on the episode because I'm talking about that TV show, The Bear. Yes. I don't even know why I said this. I've only seen two episodes of it. I said it's set in New York. It isn't. It's set in Chicago. I'm sorry. Font of misinformation, Dave Hanratty. I wouldn't worry about it. From this moment on, I vow to only tell the truth. <laughs> is, it, is The Bear somehow related to... It probably is. is. Chicago Bears the thing? Yeah. Or is it the Cubs? Yeah. They, they have the Bears, the symbol of Chicago overall, don't they? Yeah, I used to, therefore, there was no excuse so actually, for me yeah, to get it wrong. Not was, it worse. Not was very, uh, was magnanimous about it, I have to say. You know, he... he it's big of him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like he could have gave out to me, but he didn't. He was just like, you got that wrong. And I was like, yeah, I did. Sorry. And I'm sorry to you, listener, but I'm not sorry for this. It's time for the news. Start spreading the news. Our old pal, old blue eyes. With us from the very beginning. From the first time we ever had a news thing. Yeah, that's weird, isn't it? It's um, very strange. Right. I put together the news this week, and where else to start? But the Mercury Music Prize. Hey, it's the third biggest one. In after? Our, after... Well, Ivor Novellos is number, number one. one. Yeah, yeah. And then Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, did we decide that was the runner-up? Where's the Choice Music Prize go? Fourth? Choice Music Prize Of which we've both f- been a judge. Yeah, maybe... F- <laughs> uh, let's have the... I'm actually going to put the Choice ahead of the Mercury. Okay. Yeah. Um, Fair enough. So, trying to get back on that jury, are you? I'm trying to get back on the jury and I'm trying to, like... Um, Really put a dampener on this lead news story. It's the board, most important. That's fair. Show. That's fair. And it's a big deal for the winner. For Little Sims, but I should Little also Sims. just in the choice prize, Jim Carroll. If you're listening, uh, we're both available. You know, so I'll do it. Here's a shout. Give it a go. Uh, and Free if, meal. if the Mercury panel Free are listening drink. as well, <laughs> yeah. Uh, would you have voted for Little Sims? Little Sims is the winner of the Mercury Music Prize for an album that you love, Craig. What's it called? Tell us all about it. Yeah, I think it's probably the wordy winner. Sometimes I might be introvert, and um, I'm, I'm not remembering all of the. Non- 
nominees now, but if I recall, I I thought this was probably nailed on and I thought it was a, a wordy winner. It feels kind of big in scope. It feels like something of a step up. It's not like, you know, Grey Area wasn't spectacular as well, but just an artist that's very worthy, deserving, doing kind of exceptionally interesting stuff. You've got Inflow as well on production, who is having a moment the last couple of years. Um with his own work with Salt and the kind of production stuff as well. So I think it went to the right home um, in this case. Yeah, and Sims has been outspoken essentially about, not like give me the award, but she has said before, um, instead of saying Sims is underrated, why don't you stop being cheap and change the narrative? Yeah. So it seems some people have, and she's 25,000 British pounds richer as well on top of this as well. She's like, glory to God. God, thank you so much to my family over here, my loved ones right here. I want to say a huge thank you to the Mercury for this incredible, incredible prize. Um, the usual stuff, you know. And yeah. but, a, but a very worthy winner. Um, other acts uh, off the top of my head, Self Esteem was in there. I thought she was a shout. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, granted, I say I've talked about her before. I think it's not a great album, but she's cool. Thought they might have voted for her as opposed to the very record. zeitgeisty. Wet leg were in there mm. as were uh, first album review of the year on No One Court Yard Act. They were also up for it as well. Uh, not a great year. <laughs> you know, well, you know, who else is on the list, Craig? Harry Styles. He was. Now, that was a surprise edition. Should he have been on the shortlist? I wonder. Well, that's not what I wondered. It's what Roisin O'Connor of the UK Independent wondered because she, in her reaction piece to the Mercury Prize. Uh, put up an article that literally said Harry Styles shouldn't have been shortlisted shortlisted for the prize. Now, uh, even by her own admission on Twitter, uh, it was more of a belated album review than like a hardcore argument in line with the headline. Um, We've read the piece. What did you think? I mean, I agree with pretty much everything. Uh, We reviewed um, the album, obviously, myself and Fanula on the show, and I I found a lot to kind of enjoy with it. Like, you know, it's very lightweight. I don't think we learn anything new about him. Um, He's still wearing his influences quite, you know, heavily on his shoulder, um, on his sleeve, on his star-spangled, whatever. You know, like, he's just... (laughs) He's unashamedly, I guess, just every album cycle picking up new kind of hipsterish references and running with them. But that's kind of fine. It's it's fun. It's grand. It should not be anywhere near an albums of the year kind of shortlist. So you agree with Roshan O'Connor that it shouldn't be on this list? Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. Well, uh, I, I, I don't just, agree at all. You think what? Well, now, do you agree um, as a point of principle? Yes. Because you think she's coming from it from an angle of like... This is a big kind of industry machinations at work. It's a major label pushing him into territory he shouldn't belong in. Is that kind of arduous on quality? Uh, bit of both. I mean, like, I, it's better than the fucking Yard Act album for a start. Um, I agree with you that we don't learn too much about his life. Um, you know, if you listen to the podcast, Craig, for example, you learn more about our life, our life together, Craig. <laughs> like, you know, on a weekly basis. But ultimately... Um, like why is it a problem that he's there I mean if anything you know like it might expose more people to the Mercury Prize and also he didn't win so I don't see the issue here again I'll take him over like like I said on Twitter I'll take him over a hollow hype act like Yard Actor Wet Leg any yeah. day of the week now it's a 6 out of 10 pop album he is doing his karaoke thing again I've be, I've previously been extremely dismissive of him as a musician um, based on a really really ropey first album and a second one that was okay this one it, it kind of won me over I think like, you know, as it was, is I, I think is genuinely one of the pop singles of the year. Mm. You don't? Um, I do think it's a bop. I just, I actually watched recently, have you seen Justin Hawkins from The Darkness? He's got His like YouTube a YouTube channel. channel. It's very good. It's very good, yeah. He's, yeah. he's very funny and he's quite insightful. He did a breakdown of the song 
And he compared it to, of course, Aha's take on me, which we all kind of, you know, got that reference from the get-go. But the way he did that made me like Harry Styles' song less because he kind of talked about how, oh, it's actually just this riff, but it starts at a slightly different place. And it gets rid of the interesting chords and the lyrical depth. And he just kind of like very nicely strips away all of the kind of nuance. And you just go, oh, yeah, this is quite, this is a facsimile, but dumbed down to hell. Yeah. So yeah, I came across the Justin Hawkins Rides Again YouTube channel earlier this year when he did a Pillow Queen song. Uh, friend of the show, oh, wow. of course, Sarah Corcoran, member of Pillow Queen. Shout yeah, out to yeah. her and the band. Um, and what that. he does is, yeah, he's usually there with his guitar and he like breaks down a song while listening to it, and then also like does some anecdotes and stuff. Uh, he did a Slipknot one recently. He did nineteen seventy five one here and there, and yeah. it's good. It's packaged well. He comes across very humble. Yeah, uh, he's a likable guy. Very self-deprecating and insightful. So yeah, if you've never checked out Justin Hawkins' YouTube channel, I would recommend. Um, I just think that this is this is kind of um, gatekeepery hipsterism from Roshan O'Connor in the UK Independent. Herself a Slipknot fan, by the way, so, you know, kudos. But like, ultimately... Heaven forbid someone would do that. <laughs> hey, am I being... Am this I, entire uh, podcast is geared towards that. Have I... Like, like what's... like? It's a good pop album. Why is there no room for that on the Mercury list? Which is, which often is like you well, know, I'm acts from the point of view of even just we've like, never heard of the albums should be better than good. I'm not making a defense. What's of better Yardak album? Being this, there. I don't what's think better album? Be... This or the Yardak album? Harry Styles versus. But I'm not. I, it doesn't have to be either or. Neither of them should be on the list. <laughs> <laughs> That's my point. Touche. Uh, yeah, okay. I, yeah. I don't. I don't subscribe to the thing of you know. I, I actually agree with the point that like maybe some kind of teenage fans and other more casual music listeners might have been turned on to some of the other nominees because of Harry Styles being on there. So it's fine. It's not that big a deal. Yeah. Um, if he won, I would understand this piece a lot more. And then you get into the thing of He's like, well, what, is, what is the award for? It's the discussion we have about the choice. Like, should it be something that is like, should should a consideration be who kind of needs the money? Yeah, should it be that, that should never be a consideration. Talent? I'm sorry. It's a, it's a weird one, isn't it? Yeah. That should never be a consideration. That has been a consideration it pops up every time in that room well the one time I was in that room but from what I've heard I mean like like yeah. it tends to be like like should it give it to them because they'd benefit more monetary wise nah but then yeah fine like what you're trying to say here is uh, award systems are flawed which is true I don't think I was trying to say that at all <laughs> <laughs> sorry I didn't mean I didn't mean, I didn't mean, I didn't mean, I didn't mean actually no yeah, that was it what you correctly yes. said <laughs> I've got a fucking head cold okay I'm trying my best uh, let's check in on the health front though the mental health front will, will we with uh, Ed Sheeran um, he's helped out a guy called Roman Kemp, who I'd never heard of until this week. He's a is he part of the Kemp dynasty? He is. He's okay. a Capital FM breakfast presenter, and he is in fact the son of Martin Kemp of Spandau Ballet fame. Baptism baby. What? Maybe he is. Yeah. I mean, oh. uh, does Martin Kemp have the hold over the airwaves that he used to have? He should. <laughs> Are Spandau Ballet good? Um, no, they're not. Yeah. No, they had what tr- true and gold, gold. Really, yeah, which have both I which think is now been Wanderer's ruined song. by overuse in um, ads. Oh God, yeah. And not just usage in ads, but that thing where they change the lyrics to like, mm. is it Daz that uses like? Are you work in advertising. You tell me. I don't know, but essentially they responsible for this. Hoard them out so, so, themselves out so much that those songs, even those songs, have lost all impact. Okay. But I will say. He was tremendous in EastEnders. He was fantastic yes. in EastEnders. I watched it during that era. Uh, Steve, Golden was that his name? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. He was great. Blew up in a car, I believe. Anyway, look, listen. Spoilers, spoilers for, uh, for uh, <laughs> who the fuck is going to go back and watch East? Like, you know what I'm going to do now? I'm going to watch five episodes of EastEnders from 1999 or something. He was something. being pursued by Phil Mitchell, I believe. Aren't we all? Yeah. It, in this life of sin. Anyway, <laughs> Roman Kemp has spoken out because he has a book about mental health and... 
Uh, Ed Sheeran apparently gave him advice, and the advice I found interesting. Ed, uh, so here we go. It's very brief. Ed told me that there's dirty water at the top, and the more you let it flow, it turns into clean, clear water. Each time I speak about how I feel, the water gets clearer. Now, when I read this, I initially kind of balked at it. I was like, that's a bit of a weird one. But then I thought, well, it doesn't matter, does it? Because, you know, there's all kinds of analogies in the world yeah. of mental health. I myself, of course, would subscribe to some of them. So I guess fair play, Ed Sheeran. I just wanted to say a nice thing about Ed Sheeran. It seems like, it seems like a, a nice thing to do to help someone out, you know? Good yeah, no, him. very much so. I, I agree with you just in terms of the analogy. Just I didn't quite follow the logic of it. But whatever you say into him, that if it's giving him a, a pick me up and yeah. some courage to speak out about the water it, filtration process yeah, wouldn't here. necessarily be my go-to for. But, but like you know, there's all kinds of stuff. Some will work for you, some won't. Some are cheesy and some aren't. And ultimately, if Ed Sheeran can help anyone out, that's a good thing. Um, now, I wonder if he was on the phone though to uh, to a different person in the world of entertainment who apparently Craig could use a could use a hand on the shoulder. It is a course. I'm worried about this man. Down on his luck. Bono. You know, you say we, we kind of joke and I worry about Bono, or, you know. Do you? Or Paul, as I call him. <laughs> <laughs> our, so, our Paul. Paul Hewson, a.k.a. Bono. Vox. Mr. H. <laughs> Mr. H. Uh, he has a book coming out, Craig. We've talked about it on the yeah. show. It's called Surrender, 40 Songs, One Story. It's out uh, at the end of November, I believe. Oh, no, sorry. It's, it's the, fir- the first of November. November sorry. 1st, yeah, yeah, he's doing, because he's doing a tour. He's doing like a book tour in which he will, in, including a date at the Olympia the Theatre. Yeah, yeah. Be so kind of, would see, you be interested in going? I'm going to try and get guest lists so we can do it for journalism. Oh. Um, so let, let's see if we can. Okay. I'll get in touch with, with my guy and I'll see what he says. The answer will be no, Dave. Is your guy, is your guy <laughs> The Edge? No, it's uh, it's Larry Mullen Jr. <laughs> so, um, it's Eli Hewson of Inhaler. Oh fella, yeah, he is your guy. Who I've interviewed twice. Yeah. Um, nice fella from my experiences. Another nepotism him. baby. They're in trouble this week though, Inhaler are. What a boy. There was like reports of sexual assault at one of their gigs in Manchester oh, and they haven't and they haven't said anything apparently. Okay. If you go online and search Inhaler, you'll see a cavalcade of fans giving out but that, that like that they haven't said anything. Okay. Well maybe so, by the time this comes out they'll have put something up. They had yeah, a gig last right. night, I think in London, maybe they did, I don't know. I haven't been paying too much attention to it, but there's a proper outcry. And obviously, you know, they should say something because yes. you know, those things should not be happening at gigs and fuck anyone who does those things. Anyway, moving back to Bono. Um he is so he'll be he'll be in the Olympia Theatre on I think it's the twenty first November and it's 60 euro a ticket but you know what you get for your 60 euro you get Bono you get a copy of the book oh yeah that's it's included in the package sweetener, yeah. what a sweetener says Adam it's 60 euro <laughs> like 20 quid book 20 quid book yeah, you 40 get to euro. spend an hour or two in the <laughs> he's a uh, 40 quid Bono the, the greatest um, raconteurs of our era well that's what he'll be doing he'll be singing songs I assume but he'll also be talking about the book and and he is doing interviews of course to promote this book or he was doing some kind of festival there in the UK yeah. at the Cheltenham Literature Festival now who's who um, he has opened up though about alleged death threats that he received uh, he's going to talk about this in the book he speaks about numerous threats that the band and he himself received from the IRA gangsters and far-right groups. Anyone else? Um, he said that Jerry Adams, former Sinn Féin leader, said he thinks uh, Bono, quote-unquote, stinks. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We should point out Jerry Adams didn't make a death threat. <laughs> <laughs> no, not that we're aware of. Do. Because, well, it wouldn't be like him. Uh, because of their pro-peace stance. <laughs> quote... <laughs> Cuddly Jerry Everyone's favourite Comedy Twitter granddad Who's never done anything wrong Mr A Fuck Fuck. Anyway U2's opposition To paramilitaries Of all kinds Had cost the IRA Valuable fundraising In the US Says the book Do we think that's true? 
Can we quantify it's that? It's a tricky one because your go-to is. is that it's more just, you know, Bono, Braggadocia are kind of just inflating the truth. But you know what? I mean, at the time, you two were America's biggest band. Maybe <laughs> it did. I mean, it wasn't good PR, you know, to be anti. He did, in fairness, take quite a, an anti-violence and IRA stance back in the 80s. Mm. Bono also said that a famous gangland leader in Dublin, unnamed, had been planning to kidnap his daughters and that the gangsters people had been casing our houses for several months and developed an elaborate plan. I would not be surprised if that was 100% true and it sounds terrifying. It does, yeah, yeah. in fairness. Um, and finally, he said uh, far-right groups targeted them following the release of the song Pride, the band's tribute song to Martin Luther King. Uh, Bono said during a gig in Arizona, he was warned that if he sang the verse about Martin Luther King's assassination, he would, quote, not make it to the end of the song. Bono said he got all messianic on myself and sang the key verse, that being shot rings out in the Memphis sky. Do you want to sing it, Craig, do you? I'm scared to. Free, <laughs> free at last. They took your life. They could not take your pride. Take your pride. I then realised the gravity of the situation and I did close my eyes. It was a slim possibility, but just in case. On reaching the end of the song, he said, I'm still alive. Oh, good. And I looked up and I could not see the crowd because Adam Clayton was standing in front of me and he'd been there for the entire verse. I didn't see this Adam, part of the story. Adam Clayton, Adam Clayton, like Clint Eastwood in the line of fire. He was going to take a bullet for Bono. <laughs> The bodyguard. What the fuck? I'm some hero of you too. Adam Clayton. In many ways man. he is, yeah. Uh, the book is 576 pages long. So I guess you are getting value for money there. Yeah, um, yeah. And there is, of course... like to go on. 20 quid book and one quid for every song. There is, there is, there is in fact, <laughs> an audiobook version done by Bono. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, I can't wait for that. Um, and the, the press release, which I got a little while ago, uh, in these shows I've got some stories to sing and some songs to tell. Uh, okay, plus I want to have some fun presenting my memoir, Surrender, which is really more of a memoir. <laughs> if, if I think of all the people who helped me get from there to here. Oh, he's the best. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh, uh, that, man. what's Phoebe Bridgers up to, Craig? Um, she's being extremely Phoebe Bridgersers. Um, she's going to be in... Um, a live a live to film performance of The Nightmare Before Christmas which I've never seen you've never seen Nightmare Before Christmas no I don't what? think I have how's that oh, possible like, maybe I have by like Whoa, kind of hang, on, hang on a second then how can you possibly appreciate Blink-182 anthem I Miss You when he says we oh, well, can, I get li- all the re- like, we can live like Jack clips. and Sally she's yeah, gonna, yeah, she's yeah, gonna play Sally yeah I'm aware of the story I've seen clips I've never I don't think I've sat down as it's an like adult. 80 minutes long Greg there's a no popcorn episode. I'm a busy man these days. I've got a lot of things on. Um, it's very I'll try good. and fit it into my it's schedule very good. and report and now, back. Okay? Now would be a good time to watch it. Okay. Anyway. Is this big news for you then? Is this no, I mean, like, <laughs> like, I, I wouldn't be all that interested in going to see a live show. Um, Phoebe Bridgers, yeah. I mean, I guess fair enough. It seems something she would do. She wears the skeleton, skeleton costume. Thing, yeah, so she's, she's a spooky. And she's like, a, as, what, what, is, she, is she a millennial? Is she is yeah, probably... I don't what know. age is she? Twenty five? I don't know. I think she might be Gen Z. Yeah, yeah. Gen, a Zoomer is that what they call them? Zoomer. Yeah, um, they do. So yeah, she's had a busy time. Bought a house in Cork with her alleged fiance Paul with Mescal. Her lover. Her lover. <laughs> <laughs> Paul uh, Mescal. It's a great part of the country, you know. Shout out to Cork. Yeah. Okay. Just keeping the Cork listeners on side there, you know. How what they about all the Cork. other listeners? <laughs> yeah. Um, I just had a great part, not the greatest part. Okay. I know I've lost the Cork listeners. <laughs> Um, Amy Winehouse Yes There's a TV series on the way Apparently there was supposed to be a film And now it's a TV show Okay um, so, Does yeah. that change anything in terms of Like we previously talked about it on the show And we were saying that Well it'll be longer d- Weren't that Yes Yeah that, Yeah. That's a TV show The formatting will be slightly different <laughs> You can take a breather it's a after It's a scripted series mm-hmm. um, It's going to be an eight part show 
And oh, apparently, sorry. Apparently, this is it's it's in it's in tandem with they're still doing a film. Oh my god! By Sam Taylor Johnson called Back to Black. So they're doing two projects now. Series will follow the singer's relationships, including with her father and her family, um, as well as her talent and her battle with drug addiction. Yeah, I guess. Well, it'll have to. Obviously, I mean, you would assume. Yeah. Are you surprised that it's taken this long? I mean, it's been eleven years since her very very tragic death. Um, I'm kind of surprised that nobody was at the gate straight away. I know that we had the we had the documentary, of course. Yeah, I, I guess maybe for something like this, you do need um, some time because it just feels a bit on like it feels unseemly to me at the moment. But I think any sooner, and it would have felt very cash in. Yeah, yeah, maybe um, it's just a thing of like how much of it, how exploitative is it? It's 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 almost like the discussion around Netflix constantly rolling out series about like serial killers. Obviously, a very different topic and theme. But when you dip into real life and scenarios where there is great tragedy there. And it's becoming entertainment. It's not a documentary. Yeah. You know, where's the line? I don't know. I don't know. And I don't know how interested I am in seeing them, but I did see that at least for one of them. I think the film version. An actress by the name of Marissa Abella, I believe, is in the frame. And she stars in TV's Industry, which I, oh, your which I recommend to everyone. And she, I can see it. I can absolutely see her playing Amy Winehouse, probably doing a very good job. But again, my level of interest is, uh, I'd say, quite indifferent, really. Hopefully they don't do anything too bad, but she's already been destroyed by people who exploit her, so what, what can you say? It's um, also that that odd thing of, you know, a lot of these kind of things we've seen of musicians before, they tended to be musicians from a different era. We yes. mightn't have seen, there mightn't have been a lot of footage of them. We might have been so familiar with their actual real-life personalities and... We lived through her being on Nevermind the Buzzcocks or different interviews and like very connected to the kind Endless of public. Fucking tabloid photos. So yeah, it, it, it'd just be house, quite surreal to see a depiction of her, yeah. Yeah, uh, fair enough. I, so I guess in many ways, um, a British icon. Yes, but that's hard to say. Is Matthew Healy of the 1975 iconic? <laughs> is he in fact the chart-topping roustabout that we want in the music world? Let's find out. They're back, and they're being funny in a foreign language. Here's a track from the album. was Happiness was one of the singles from Being Funny in a Foreign Language the fifth question mark album by Yes it is it's the fifth album fifth album from 1975 I believe they've never had a top ten single but they've had a number one album every single time including this one in the UK Yeah kind of interestingly considering they've always been like we're a pop act yeah. and they've yet to have I think a song that's troubled the top 10 or maybe even top 20. Well, I think Too Shy was the one that got closest for them last yeah, time around maybe. and it was still way outside. We were shocked by it at the time. Yeah, well, Matty Healy did trouble uh, people this week yeah. when he met, a, he met a fan at a signing and it hit Twitter and everyone got really upset. Let's have a quick listen to what happened there. What's your name? Uh, Dervla. What? I know. Dervla? It sounds like something you move that like gravel with. Like a Dervla. <laughs> so that's Matty Healy meeting a, a, a UK fan named Dervla. She's not Irish. Uh, lots of Irish people got very offended. And she didn't, though. She was in the comments being like, I thought this was funny. Why are people getting mad? It's totally fine. Don't worry about it. But everyone was like, Brits. The usual stuff, you know? Like, like yeah. It was very similar to the whole, you know, Celtic Symphony controversy that continues to, to rage. I don't have too much to say about it, really. I thought it was kind of funny, but it was also... It was funny because it was like 
just his level of what like he, like he sounded like he was in the fucking you know the Houses of Parliament or something yeah yeah he is a man without much of a filter it's fair to say well she, she did also say that the, for context that she had been like ripping the piss out of him before that so I'm guessing there's a bit of banter I think she said there. to him like are you looking at my tits possibly and okay. he was kind of like oh maybe I am uh, so the point is he's the enfant terrible <laughs> of, uh, of the pop world and here to tell us more about Maddie Healy and the 1975 with his first primer in oh my fucking God, months yeah. how to do this. it's Craig Fitzpatrick yeah it's been a minute and I you know I used to start these primers by going I'm not going to do it for the 1975 I'm not going to say Manchester's finest because that is like that's a new order isn't it Oh God! Used to be the Smiths. I don't even know anymore. It's definitely not Stone Roses. It's Eric Ten Hag. That's who it is. Hey, um, <laughs> the nineteen seventy five were a band from the leafy suburbs of Cheshire. Lovely. <laughs> founded in two thousand and two, so way back when they were kids. Really? It's Maddie Healy. It's three other Caucasian gentlemen. Um, uh, guitarist Adam Han, who was there at that signing, um, uh, pulling a face as Matty delivered that line there and being like, "Oh God!" I'd imagine that's a kind of constant thing for the rest of the band where they're oh, just like what's he going to say worry now worry wrinkles by the time he's 30 yeah Ross MacDonald on bass and George Daniel who is the drummer producer and also yeah I was going to say he's a bit of a like he's the um uh, he's secret the, uh, kind of weapon like he's yeah. do you know what I mean he's he's the young guru yeah he's a studio whiz he's um he's made it so that they've produced a lot of their own stuff right up until this point they've got Jack Antonoff on board for this new album Boo. but they're also kind of yeah co-producing um and it's meant that they've had a really kind of luxurious pristine sound kind of from the get-go which suits them because from the get-go they've been very um much pop chameleons trying on different kind of styles a lot of 80s stuff. The first album came out and it was very much that, I don't know, anemic kind of funk thing, 80s revivalism, nods to Duran Duran. There was a lot of hits on it that sounded like other songs you might know. Um, they somehow survived my terrible review of them in the Olympia. <laughs> um, <laughs> the review was brilliant. It was really well written. I don't but, think um, I know this one. Hot press? Yeah, Must it be. was one of my kind of um, occasional just outpourings of frustration that where I had to go to print. a gig by myself and was just like, this is not good in any way. And they were very kind of self-congratulatory, I think. Felt like a bit of a victory lap after the album came out. I think he was... I'm trying to remember now I should have dug it up actually just to see exactly what was going on but I seem to remember him just chugging a bottle of wine and being like I'm the best and I was like <laughs> songs aren't good <laughs> and I'm not enjoying this performance sorry this is on the first album yeah it would have wow. been about 2012 I guess 2011 right, yeah. um, they were also at it for 10 years before that album came out they were yeah yeah That's fucking nuts I, I thought they were just like here we are here's an album we're new I, I, I didn't I didn't really know of them until the second album yeah the second album which is called I like it when you sleep for you are so so beautiful beautiful, yet yet so so unaware of it I avoided that album for Obvious a year reasons. or two yeah, because of the title because of my gig experience and I came back to it because I'm a glutton for punishment and actually there's some really interesting stuff on it some great songs uh, it has their best song um, Change of Heart Somebody Some, Else Somebody Else yeah. those two are yeah probably still their best songs I like Fallen For You as well but it, it's again them wearing their influences very much on the sleeve but doing interesting things with it a lot of heart some great writing they really developed as songwriters they got even bigger um, and the album since then well the third album comes along and that's when I got on board the hype train and you kind of fell in love with I them I fucking did it. yeah you did I you fucking... were smitten when um, 
a brief inquiry into online relationships arrived. I was smitten. Yeah, you, you are were. correct. I was. I, I really was. I mean, I made a big push for them to be like. like I remember saying that "Love It If You Made It" was the song of that year. Yeah, and I thought the album was up there as well. Had some problems, but I really. I went from being like "fuck these guys" to. Well, this is the best pop album in the last five years, isn't it? And I was just like, well, like, I really was totally blown away by it. But then the fourth album came out yeah. and I was like, I'm bored now. Yeah, I mean, it was again another quite sprawling album. Um, Notes on a conditional form. Yeah. Um, some interesting kind of genre exercises. And I do kind of like it when they bite off a bit more and they, they, and they can choose. People chew, was a really I mean? good lead single, even though it was a complete outlier. Yeah. And I, I do think, I mean, you know, throughout this ascent, uh, the other kind of the subplot or maybe the main plot was Matty Healy doing interviews and being on Twitter and saying things and being quite outspoken. Mm-hmm. And that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Apologising here and there, of course. All the controversies. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Tended to be quite tame stuff a lot of time, and then just stuff that make you roll your eyes. But um, when he pours that into his lyric writing, and he bites off more than he can chew, and runs his mouth in terms of songwriting, he can, I feel, be quite compelling at times. When we reviewed that album, which we adore, um, third, we had Zara uh, Hederman, yeah, yeah, on the podcast as well. One of many yeah, really interesting Zara Hederman appearances. Uh, yeah, oh, and she kind of took umbridge with. She just f- finds them completely toxic. Yeah, she just and she, she had to review them on RTE there last week, yeah, and I was just like, yeah. Sean Rocks was like Zara. He's like, how did you how, how did you feel when you when you found out you'd be reviewing this album? And she just like sighed and said like exhausted. <laughs> she can't stop reviewing them, whether I, it's this podcast, well, I mean, or radio. It is her job. No, but I'm just saying, like of all, like it, you, I would have thought at this point she would make a concerted effort to stay away but no no they keep calling her name and she keeps stepping in and saying I fucking hate this band I mean there is something kind of magnetic about them there's just the phenomenon of them um, we also she- had a very very difficult discussion you could say on an end of year show because we had Too, Too Shy, Shy which you love yeah I think it's a great pop song it it's them doing song. their 80s sing but I think the best example of that yeah so uh, all of this is to say that um, well <sighs> How do we feel about Matty Healy in general at this point? And how did you feel going into this record? Because we were kind of like, will we bother? Yeah. Um, I think I probably, I veer between, because I do enjoy the music. I think it's really well produced. All of the reference points, every time they and they add something new to it, it's invariably something I love. So I think I probably have a lot in common with them. Oh, <laughs> do wow. you know what I mean? Wow. In terms of musical taste. But then every time I read an interview or see him, I'm like, this man would be insufferable to have a I was about to say, two, two, yeah. ra- two raven-haired, good-looking boys. Oh, thank you very I much. I know who I'd rather hang out with. Matty Healy. <laughs> <laughs> no no but comments. just as a journalist, of course. Yeah, <laughs> of yeah, course. Not for pleasure. That's true. Um, but yeah, I mean, do you know what? We were just talking about Bono there in the news section. Is there a slight similarity? I mean... <laughs> Egomaniacs in different ways, maybe. He'd Bono's love, more pious. Matt would and, love that. Yeah. Um, or Woody? I don't know. Mm. But it, it, yeah, very polarizing figures, for sure. Yeah. Does Matt Healy pay his, pay, pay his taxes? We, we don't know. And frankly, <laughs> we don't want to know. No. Um, what we do know is the fifth album yeah, is here. It is. It's them pairing stuff back very much. So it's uh, 11 tracks, yeah, 11 44 tracks, yeah. minutes-ish. And he's talked about how... Um, he admits, like, he, he always does that kind of self-effacing at times thing before he makes another grandiose statement, and he seems self-aware, but I'm not sure if that's just part of his kind of shtick. But he said, yeah, I, I'm too much with the lyrics at times, and um, 
so much of what I write and so many of the albums have been, I need to make a magnum opus. This needs to be the state of the nation, state of the world address and cram it all in there. And actually the hardest thing for me to do would be to pair it right back and get earnest and just write about love and do simple kind of pop songs. So he's doing the fucking Stuart Lee thing when he said like the last taboo is doing something sincerely and well. Yeah, but yeah, he is the new Stuart Lee and the new Bono. <laughs> He's neither of those two. But yeah, it's not his magnum opus. It's um, he, he compared it to um, a Polaroid this time. So, in in what that is going to fade away or like it's disposable I or I don't know fleeting and you know yeah maybe it wasn't a good a good um but call it, on his that part. probably was his point. Uh, Did it shake you like a Polaroid picture? <laughs> no, it, it didn't shake me like a Polaroid picture. Um, but I do think it's good. Okay. I think this is a good album. Am I wrong? I think it is a good album as well. I think it's a very good album. Yeah. I think it's... Um, I think it's got their best song since somebody else in the form of About You, which is... That the is the best song on the album, penultimate yes. song on the record, and it's fucking brilliant. Spoiler alert for the album, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it is a fucking brilliant song. Yeah, it, it does... It's outstanding. When, yeah, they, they've been earnest before. I, I would actually take umbrage a bit with him being like the hardest thing is to be earnest or you know that thing of like I'm over lyrical at times because I feel like that's him at his most revealing I feel that's who he is as a person and as a writer what do you think of the lyric when he talks about how his mother got upset with him for describing her as like a 63 year old woman or something and then he literally goes but that's what you are mum or like something like that I thought that was kind there's of there's a lot of jokes kind of peppered yeah. throughout it and he's talked to like the, when the, there's so many interviews going around at the moment but he talks about he ran the album past his mate Bo Burnham and he's like and he laughed at all the right places and um do you think it's funny do you, do you think he's funny He's funny in small doses. I think he's not as funny as he thinks he is. And I think he's probably not as good a songwriter as he he's thinks he is. He's not as everything as he thinks he is, of course. Yeah, but maybe that's not a problem when you're like a pop star. Um, I, think this, I, I think this is a good fucking album. I, I think the more I listened to it, the more I was like, this is actually really, really good. And it's a lot better than the last one. And I, I don't think the highs are there. That, I think like there was greater sure highs know, on the last yeah. record. And I do think that sprawl of the last one, it doesn't work a lot. But so it catches you by surprise. And the, the one thing about this record was since the second one, this is the first time I haven't really been surprised by them. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's a, what I would imagine the 1975 sound being. In my head, I was like, okay, what would be the kind of default album they might make that they could kind of make in their sleep? And outside of like and About You, which does that really amazing kind of swirling. It's almost like there's like MBV guitars going oh, on yeah, there. Oh yeah, it's very dream pop. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's dream pop, but also coupled with that, yeah, that writing of like a Falling For You or a, a somebody else. Um, that was great. But the other kind of slight chances they take are kind of in the realms of what they've done before. And I don't know if they work. Oh, Caroline, where he goes Yacht Rock, finally, while talking about being suicidal. I'm like, eh, you don't you're, really you're, have this you're voice a yacht for rock Yacht Rock. Guy. I am, yeah. It's, um... I just feel like he missed the boat slightly with Yarrock. Wow, it was uh, nice, yeah, nice, nice. a couple of years ago at this point, catch up, Matty. And, um, the opening track, of course, is called The 1975 as the All Are, and this one is him This doing, one's an actual song. It is an actual different song. different lyrics And it's him time. doing All My Friends by LCD Sound System. And again, he's revealed, well. he's revealed that there was a verse where he said he owes like 20% of his career to James Merton, like does the self-referencing, self-aware thing of like, yeah, this is a deliberate crib. He got rid of those lines, though. <laughs> well, Don't sue me. You know, has this would be an, an, an admission. And, yeah, yeah. Um, a song like Looking for Somebody, which is... You can imagine, like, maybe Bruce coming out with that in the 80s. Do you know what I mean? It's a very kind of plasticky, upbeat pop song, but with dark lyrics. It's where very, he's... um... Oh, 
I don't know, like Robert Palmer or like it is, but he's talking Peter about school shooters news. and trying yeah. to empathise with um, wayward young men that have done horrific things. And I've seen people calling him out for that because you shouldn't empathise with these monsters, which is, I think is, is the it, wrong way to look at it. Is it quite on the level of Amanda Palmer writing a poem for the Boston Bomber, or is it? No, I think it, I think it kind of works to a large extent, but elsewhere. My my main, the main issue I would take with it is if he wants to do, like those songs we were talking about are kind of out of the norm songs. Elsewhere, you've got a scattering of these more straightforward kind of heart in the sleeve love songs. And I think if you want to do that and you're the 1975, they have to be the best pop songs of your career. Do you know what I mean? Because there's nowhere to hide. They have to be, these have to be the songs where it's like, now we're having the top five hits. And I don't think... I don't think they're there. I don't think they have like a smash hit here in terms of like, a, we're talking relatively speaking, you know, this is the time when they write their fucking sledgehammer or something. Is it they though? don't have that. But is it though? Like, 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 why does it have to be that? It doesn't necessarily, but I think if he's I'm not talking sure they about to trying that. to make a direct connection, they've paired back the track listing, there's less experimentation. It's maybe them for the first time slightly resting on their laurels. They've got in Jack Antonoff. Yeah, which I wish they didn't. Where, where's the, where's their shake it off? Where's their, you know? I didn't think they were going to go in that direction, though. Yeah, and I, and also I kind of feel like if you're too shy, let me know. From the previous record, is that's what that is, right? Yeah. So like, and they don't. I don't think they have got anything no, they of don't. that equal here. Yeah. No, I mean, happiness comes close, but not close enough. Um, in that, it's a good straight ahead pop song. Yeah, it's a good single, but I don't think that that's what they were. This feels like their Bonnie Vare album to me. Haven't the last two kind of been their? <laughs> not, not They've the, been using not the, the Bonnie Vare sound for longer than Bonnie Vare was. Well, I don't know. I mean, like well, I, for, I do actually like that, and it's become their signature thing. Well, those part kind of, of the band, for yeah. example, is Bonnie Vare to a fucking T. I guess splice with a bit of Talking Heads, and I guess that song has grown on me since it came out as the first single. I think it is better than I thought it was at the time, and I've I've heard some people who I greatly respect uh, this week be like, "It's a fucking brilliant song." I don't quite hear it to that level, but I know I think some people are like think it's a genuinely incredible piece of songwriting mm. so yeah I, I didn't go into this expecting any kind of straight ahead bangers really I, th- I thought it was going to be what it is I think it's a very good version of what it is and to be fair Jack Antonoff I kind of can't really hear him on this no I think you know Matty Healy was giving his defence of hiring Jack Antonoff and now they had BJ I love, that, I love that you have to give a defence yeah. <laughs> his thing was just like oh we don't care if it's uncool to hire the biggest producer in the world at the moment he's there for a reason and he's amazing he's good at what he does which is completely fair game they got BJ Burton in initially they were working with him and um, the issue from the band seemed to be that they were too similar in terms of just following too many weird ideas and they were just sitting around not getting a lot done BJ Burton spoke in an interview um, for a piece on the 1975 I'm trying to I'm failing to remember which uh, publication it was now but he said actually it really hurt him when he heard that they were working with Jack Jack Antonoff and it like deflated his confidence completely and he was just like he didn't really know what the story was that happens but um yeah I don't know it's uh, like I think the fruits of that might have been more interesting to my ear I do think this is a good record, but I think it's a record of album tracks. Okay. It's something I will put on the background and probably enjoy, but it's not the it's not the their Peter Gabriel so or their kind of big eighties pop smash that just is forever remembered and has five different hits on it, which is 
incredibly hard to do. Not many people have done it. So, sure. uh, you know. I think it worked for me because of that, though. I think it worked for me because it is an album of album tracks and it felt like an album to me. The last one felt so fucking just lost and meandering. And like, as much as I enjoy that third record, it's also lost and meandering at times. I thought this was pretty accomplished. I really liked it. And that's why I'm giving it a 7 out of 10, bordering on a 7.5. I mean, I'm giving it a seven as well, and I feel like you enjoyed it a lot more than me. It's not an eight. <laughs> yeah. Not not at this moment in time. I do like this is I really like the kind of sonic palette. Um I like all the references again, so even it when it gets derivative. And I do think he's got enough of a voice that that doesn't matter because they're very much their own thing. Um yeah. and I should as well reiterate, as Adam drops his phone in the corner there, because uh, so taken was he by this review. Um so so transfixed was he by by the by the words that we put down in nine seventy five that he had to slam his phone off the ground. Um <laughs> I'm I'm just giving you a, a mock hard time here, don't worry. I know, I was looking up the personnel on the record. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This uh, is... it's there, it's I, I, <laughs> the listener can't though I, was, yeah, I, was trying... I, need to, I need to find my own corner here Adam was doing nothing wrong everyone um, what was I going to say what was I going to say I was going to say that listen um, if you do nothing else uh, about you which is the track number 10 on this record it's it's one of the best songs of the year so go check that out yeah it's very good I will say overall he has moments where he like like stuff like that where he gets me but overall I think my problem with some of the straightforward quote unquote love songs on this was I felt like he was singing to the audience. It was almost like another genre exercise of like, now I'm going to be earnest about being in love with someone. And I didn't feel like he was actually in love I with anyone. he's been doing this I don't for know if five I trust albums. Him. I don't like, know if like, I trust him with my love songs, Dave. All right? Again, I don't know what you were expecting here. Like, I went in with very low expectations and they were rewarded. I, I went in say. with high expectations. And, and they were Look at me now. Joke's on me. <laughs> Seven out of ten. Well, I can hear myself getting more and more uh, cold-esque as I go along here because I can feel my nose just closing in on itself. So I hope I sound alright but to lead us into our top five songs with love oh, yeah. in the title I believe Craig has prepared a clip of none other than who else Maddie Healy yeah so he's been doing uh, the press junkets he's been on all the YouTubes and in all the magazines and this was him on the YouTube series Chicken Shop Date I believe it is with um, Amelia and I don't know her surname Fucking great turn more time. Great, yeah, great delivery yeah, from Adam. Dime Oldenburg, I think. Okay. Amelia Dime She's very funny, and I'm a newcomer to it, and it's very good. But it's a kind of you know, um, very self-aware, ironic Detached, thing where it's yeah, it's, yeah. yeah it's all an awkward first date in a crummy chicken shop, and this is. It's a lengthy enough clip because I thought it was all pretty funny, but he's there in his like full suit that he's been wearing for this entire cycle. Again, parallels between you and him, Greg. Yeah, and he's um. She's doing her awkward kind of flirting thing whilst being very direct. And the topic comes around to his lyrics and his approach to this album and the love song. So it feels fitting for the top five. Here we go. What's your favourite lyric that you've written? There's too many to remember. Do you have any favourites? There's almost too many words. I tried to cut down on the too many words on this album. Really? Do people say, just please stop with the words? To be honest, yeah, yeah. a bit. Because it does get a lot. But I've been quite... OK, my favourite lyric at the moment is I'm in love with you. Aw, thanks. No, I wasn't talking to you, I'm just saying... That's I... your favourite lyric you've ever written, I'm in love with you. I'm just trying to be, like, earnest and open and you just said that my lyrics are pretentious. I'm just saying, out of all the lyrics to pick, you've chosen I'm in love with you, which anyone could say, or any people do say that all the time. Exactly. 
Well, you tweeted about maybe doing a podcast. Yeah. I was going to say, like, please don't. <laughs> yeah, no, it's probably good advice. Um, some people thought he was being a bit of a creep uh, in, during the interview. Do you think it's all a bit... I mean, is that like, whole show? A kiss, it's you like know? improv, yeah. yeah I yeah. presume they're just on board with all that kind of stuff. But there was a weird moment because he he does kind of get insistent that they kiss, but yeah. he's like, "For the joke, it'll be funny." And then she like kisses him on the forehead, and he's just like, "Coward!" That was pathetic. Yeah, it was. It seemed lighthearted to me, but I can understand how people were like, "Well, he, is he kind of forcing her to an awkward position?" But no, she's calling on the shots. It's her sketch essentially. So I presume that was all cool. Okay, well, we, we can't know for sure, but what we can know for sure. After after an agonising process, Craig, is our top five songs with the word love in the title. I had 18 tracks on my shortlist yesterday. 18! I'm usually very good at just being like, here are my five. These are the ones to go with. A couple yeah. of outliers. Fucking 18. I should say off the bat, My Love by Justin Timberlake is not on my list. It would have been my number one, but I picked it before. Yeah. In was Adam was furious. <laughs> I was sure I had, and I picked it in top five post-band solo adventures. That's a good shout. Uh, so it would have been, it would have been here, but it isn't. Uh, anything about your process, Craig? Uh, I cut a lot. Yeah, I had the same problem where I cut a lot of clips. I think I sent Adam seven. I haven't made any changes, Adam. Um, but to the point where it was up to last night, I was still cutting clips. And before I left um, work to come to the studio to record this very episode. I was talking to a colleague and they're like, oh, what's the podcast about? What's the top five? And I said, you know, songs with love in the title. And he, he was like, what's your top five? And I couldn't remember. <laughs> and I finally remembered and I was listening them out and met with a blank expression from my colleague. Oh, wow. So I'm, now I'm just like second guess. I think they're good. Does your Maybe. colleague listen to the show? Um, no, he wasn't aware that I did a podcast. Oh, He's a recent sake. enough addition to the company. Um, when I tell the listener, and when I, when I beg the listener to, to tell their friends about the show, yes, I expect the co-host, I expect the co that the co-host of the show <laughs> would be do, out there, would be out there in his office at least telling the people he works with, "I do a really good podcast. You should listen to it." Yeah, I mean, I'm not that kind of guy that's just going to bring that up when someone starts. It sounds it. like it sounds like you did in this situation. <laughs> how, how, well, hang on. If you didn't bring it up, how did this person who doesn't know that you did a podcast know that you were doing a top five? I have a theory and I'm going to wait until he says it before. Okay. Okay. I, I confirm my suspicions. Okay. All right. Get um, on Columbo over here. Well, what, what I'll say is that it's because I was foregoing going to someone's leaving drinks. Adam's theory is correct. Yeah. <laughs> so people were saying, where, where are you off to, Craig? And I was like, it's Thursday night. I got to deliver yeah. some content <laughs> for you, listener. Yeah. Were you like, oh, and every, oh Dave my God, makes like, me do listener? it. Who are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, people that listen to the podcast and there are people that I've turned on to the podcast in my company. Tremendous. We're talking about it. And then. Oh, great. Dylan. Do they like me? Who's new what, enough to the company. What do they think? Oh, we haven't really got around to talking about you. Oh, okay. Um, to be honest, but the, right. everyone everyone said nice things. That's to be fine. honest, but you know, don't worry about they it. might just be saying that. Hey, you listen, have to work you know, together. I've worked in that agency. I know what it's like. Yeah, <laughs> you know, what's Dylan everyone's like? Fake. Congratulations, Dylan, on your new gig. He's listening. See, <laughs> he might be listening. Shout out to Dylan, um, former member of the Chalets. No fucking way. Yeah. Wow. Well, then this podcast is right up his alley, right? Probably. Yeah. Listen, what can I say? A, a good day for everyone. 
I'm spreading the love. Yeah, Speaking right. of, uh, it's top five songs with love in the title. Why don't you go first, Craig? Okay. I've, I've lost all my notes, but it doesn't really matter. Lost your We've notes. Already been... Lo- lost your nerve. <laughs> <laughs> lost, the lost your ability but to you remember your top five. Um, there's there's definitely a theme to this episode. Um, we've been chatting about this this guy. It's actually, we haven't been chatting about this guy, but we've ch- been chatting about um, the guy whose song this is. It's a guy that some people find insufferable. Um, and it's been sang by a guy that people find insufferable as well, but it's great. Here we go, my number five. Feels like a riddle. On a crowded street, and I see my love made complete. The thread is ripping, the knot is slipping. Love is blindness. Love is clockworks, and it's cold steel. Fingers to know. That was Jack White um, doing Love is Blindness, which is the closing track from U2's Achtung Baby from 1991. Um, The U2 version is great as well. Um, It's more subdued. there's some really interesting sonics on it. It's dark, much like that whole record outside of a few spots. I think it's, I still think it's U2's masterpiece and probably underrated. Um, although there's been some kind of um, critical reevaluation of it, maybe in the last, uh, probably the last 10 years or so. Um, maybe due in part to um, the record that this is taken from, it was a cover mount CD oh, on wow. a magazine oh, that got me into this. Q, right? It was Q music. Because I remember this, if I have this correctly, I think Nine Inch Nails are on there doing yeah. a cover of Zoo Station. You're dead right, yeah. Um, there was a lot of like very, very big acts contributing to it, in fairness to Q. I mean, they really pulled people in. I suppose it was the, the U2 draw as well. People love Bono, unless they're in the IRA. <laughs> very true. Depeche Mode did a song. The Fray. Um, oh my God. <laughs> Damien Rice. I think Damien Rice. Oh, hold on. I've got it now. I found my notes. Hey. Yeah. So you're dead on. Zoo Station, Nine Inch Nails, um, which perfect for them. Even better than the real thing was U2. It was a different mix. Nice. Um, the, the brief already the, sabotaged. <laughs> works with the title though, doesn't it? Even better than the real thing. It's kind of ironic. I much suppose, like yeah. Baby. I'm not sure they were going for that, but fair um, enough. Damien Rice doing one, which I don't want to hear. I can't remember how good it was or not, but yeah, I don't need that in my life. Patty Smith, Until the End of the World, one of my favourite U2 songs. Great song. That's a really good cover as well. Uh, Garbage did Wild Horses. Depeche Mode did So Cruel, that's great. Gavin Friday doing The Fly, brilliant. I'd say that is fantastic, yeah. yeah. Um, also, I love that Gavin Friday's in there, of course he is. <laughs> yeah, they're mate. Snow Patrol doing Mysterious Ways, I can't remember that. Probably not as good as the original, but maybe I'm doing... It's Gary probably, it's probably not as good as the original, yeah. That's probably a fair thing to say. The Fray doing Trying to Throw Your Arms Around the World. Uh, the Killers doing Ultraviolet. Uh, I can't remember that one either. Las Vegas doing Acrobat. It's interesting, isn't it? Whatever, like, it, it really pinpoints the year that came out, 2011, these acts that you don't really hear about anymore. And then... This yeah. was 2011? Yeah. You're kidding me. Love is Blindness um, by Jack White. Jesus. Uh, Jack White's involvement... Sorry, can I just uh, yeah, go on. throw out a hot take for a second Yes, here. please do. Octung Baby, good album. Yeah, that's what I've been saying, mate. <laughs> Glad you've joined the party. <laughs> it's really good. It's a fun. Uh, no, of course, it is. I'm, I'm being. I'm doing the thing. Yeah, uh, I know. It's a fucking the incredible. Thing. Doing the thing. This is in the Great Gatsby, isn't it? This cover. Unfortunately, yeah. Why? Unfortunately, that's a good movie. 
Is it? People I still haven't seen it because I don't want Lerman to ruin The Great Gatsby it's, for me. I really liked it. Okay. Now, it you, work into, I can imagine lyrically it fits. Kinda. I remember from the trailer, uh, well, uh, uh, and also No Church in the Wild, I remember enjoying that film. Okay. It's extremely Baz Lerman and it, it definitely has missteps and stuff, but I quite liked it. People fucking hate that film. I, I thought it was good. My rationale is even if it was great, it, it would be too much Baz Lerman. To, it would contaminate my enjoyment of the novel because it's one of my favourite books of all time. I don't and I've got my own images of it. Like it'll okay, just, it's too much. Have you watched Elvis yet? No, I haven't gotten around to Elvis yet. It's also very good, even again, but I could tell you understand why somebody would be like, I hate this. Yeah, I think I should watch it just for the um, Austin Tom Butler. Hanks. No, no, no. Watch it for Austin <laughs> Butler, who is brilliant in it. And watch it for Tom Hanks, who is ridiculous in it. But back to Jack White. So Jack White apparently was a U2 fan in his teens, which I'm surprised by because he was like... He's always going on about being just into pure, blue, like, old blues men. Yeah. I suppose Bono really, uh, in I mean, his heart and soul, is an old blues man himself, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but Jack he White, took enough from the old blues men. Yeah, so. Jack White talked about, like, buying Octone Baby when he was, like, in Detroit as a teen, and he listened to it, like, over and over again, particularly to this track. And then he, of course, did that documentary, uh, It Might Get Loud, with The Edge and Jimmy Page, where it's like three different styles and generations of guitarists doing their thing. It's not a great documentary. Um, I remember at the time it coming out and just all of the comments being, just giving The Edge a huge amount of stick because he's not as like technically proficient as the other two. And he uses like effects pedals, heaven forbid. And actually, he's probably the most interesting guitarist because he actually developed a completely new style and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, Jack White struck up a friendship with The Edge, so he agreed to do um, the song for this kind of CD. I think proceeds went to concern. It was for a good cause. And Jay-Z apparently did the the soundtrack. Like he executive produced the soundtrack to The Great Gatsby. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, No Church in the Wild is yeah. on there, so maybe. So Jack White talks about having conversations with Jay-Z about doing a song at this specific moment, and Jack White just kept saying, just use Love is Blindness, it's perfect for this. Maybe it is. he was being lazy, maybe he just loved it, um, and it really works. And it's it's um, it was inspired, Bono says, about The Edge divorcing his um, first wife at the time, going through a really tough time, and she was like a member of the family for the whole band, so it was... Um, an extremely dark time, but then it morphed into more had had religious overtones, of course, and it's probably about um, when faith and belief in something gets quite toxic, and just like that fervent love you have for something just leading you astray. And it's dark, and it's wonderful, and I think it's a strand of you two that people don't talk about enough. And that's as much credit as I'm going to give Bono for one episode. Let's move on. Okay, that's fair enough. Yeah. Uh, my number five songs with love in the title has been described as grunge. Oh, alternative rock, country rock, and hard rock. Here it is. The Great Interstate Love Song by Stone Temple Pilots, oh. released in September of 1994. Uh, Scott Wayland, the late frontman of that band, said that the song was about the troubles he was having with his girlfriend. The words about the lies I was trying to conceal while making the Purple record. She'd ask how I was doing and I would lie, saying I was doing fine. Um, yeah, so it's a classic grunge rock song from the mid-90s. That would have been the very, very first song I heard from this band. So you're saying Stone Temple Pilots are grunge? 
Uh, what would you say they are? Uh, you know, I think they're totally grunge. But I don't know. I the mean, thing like, of, like they weren't from Seattle, so people got per- pernickety. Yeah, I, I I don't know because like weirdly enough, there's somewhat of a blind spot for me in the sense that I never got into them properly. I got this would have been like so back. This takes me back to when I was a teenager, and my brother's friend Brendan made me a couple of mix CDs, yeah. and he put stuff like you know. Metallica and like Pearl Jam and lots of other stuff on there and this was on there as well um, it seemed like I was getting like the greatest hits of whatever acts he was into at the time um, so that kind of classic hand-me-down thing of like here's some music that you might like and this one always stood to me I, I think it's fantastic and it takes us back to that time and it takes people back to that time as well or rather when it came out properly because again if you go onto the YouTube video for this you'll see comments like I'm 50 and I fucking remember like the 90s when like there's one comment where this guy was like I'm 50 and uh, back in the, back, like back during this time like it was just classic after classic between this and uh, like Alice, Alice James. James yeah that, that's literally what he says yeah and I was like what two two bands he, he was like one. I never I was never into Alice and Chains um, they're very good and the last two weeks or so I've Weirdly, been like investigating them and like playing dirt and stuff. And, yeah. yeah, brilliant. Oh, Lance that's Daily. That's what a, a voice. That's a fabulous album. The harmony's amazing. Yeah, Wood is one of the best songs. Great song. of that yeah, genre. Wood, um, but yeah, Man in the Box. The them came Bones. After. They're yeah. fucking. Yeah, no, Alice Chains are a really good fucking band. The, the, that album opening is brilliant. Where it's just like a screen. It's just yeah. straight into it and it's brilliant. So good. I again didn't get into them properly, but I'm like weirdly like I, I got mad into fucking Pearl Jam huge into Pearl Jam that was like one of my first kind of apart from the Biscuit and Corn like Pearl Jam were the you're a vedhead yeah who isn't um, me and fellow vedheads out there know, know how it is um, <laughs> and like Nirvana you know Stone Town Pilots Alice in Chains they were kind of on the periphery I obviously didn't get into Nile Snails until fucking like 2007 or something yeah. um, so I haven't I've never fully appreciated Stone Town Pilots but I kind of feel like they've they are like they were. They were never fully appreciated in their time. They were big and everything, but they were not quite massive. Yeah. Um. But this is always put up there as one of the classic songs of that time, and it's great. I think it's just a really good. Maybe the title goes some way too, but it does feel like you're driving down a fucking American highway. It does feel like you're kind of letting your troubles, you know, leaving them in the rearview mirror. That kind of jazz. It's wide screen. And it's it's a really really good rock song. Scott Whalen's vocals are excellent, and it was one of the first songs I thought of for this top five. And I don't think I've picked it before, so therefore it had to go in. That's my number five. Very fair. Okay, my number four is the perfect kind of love song when you've met a Japanese woman and started writing to her and your wife has then been asking, why are you writing to this Japanese woman? And then she started writing to this Japanese woman and then your wife says, how about we invite the Japanese woman to come and live with us? And then you have a weird relationship for a year before she gets uh, deported. So this you found, is you found your notes then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and here it is. Orchestra, New Zealand act, um, basically just uh, Ruben Nielsen. Um, this came out in 2015. Um, it's the title track from Multi Love, and 
maybe something of a minor minor breakthrough for the band. I interviewed him, I think, when after the first album came out. The first album is really like, he clearly just did it all in his bedroom. It's very lo-fi, kind of psychedelia. Uh, he's got a great voice, as you can hear there, very soulful. I, I like. I guess he was emerging around the time of um, Kevin Parker and maybe didn't quite have the absolute kind of pop chops and hasn't certainly gotten to that level, but uh, stronger voice, a bit more interesting in certain ways. Um, the second album kind of developed that sound a little bit. And then on this one, it was just pure kind of lushness. There's that piano is fantastic, just kind of flex of classical stuff going into it. And just then lots of really big kind of soulful songs. This is like a, the title track is very much like um, like this kind of grand statement of like look at this interesting relationship and experience I've gone through all of the rest of the album is kind of him like just in various ways being like this was a really bad idea I'm extremely nervous about this situation I don't know if my wife uh, loves me anymore I think she's going to leave me um, <laughs> it's just a weird situation I, like, I don't I don't know much about like polyamorous relationships Dave um, <laughs> well considering uh, <laughs> I like have struggled to have a <laughs> straightforward one-on-one relationship <laughs> I'm, I'm not an expert in this field Craig yeah I, like I don't know it's just it's not something I think that I would possibly be into and it doesn't really so what you're saying my... is it's selfish and anyone who does it should be ashamed of themselves Craig I can't believe you said those words on, on in front of microphone that's just shocking polyamory is a modern concept how dare you be so stuck in the past do you know what Comple- 100% my thinking would be the logistics of it oh it just my nightmare exhausting fucking nightmare and like like fair play to anyone who's, who's up for it as long as all parties involved are happy with the situation although I I know I wouldn't be cut out for it so yeah well this yeah great the, album game for as it. you say the logistics yeah. like I, come on <laughs> when I listen to the song and I go back to it a fair bit I don't really think of that situation but it, it, it's such a wide open lyrically kind of big hearted song and his voice on it is there's something very um, wide eyed and innocent about it it's almost like a kind of Mark Bolan thing and it just feels very kind of accepting of, you know, the different forms that relationships take and just like, you know, a very kind of um, naive maybe thing of like love will find a way. And so I think when you take it out of the context of record, it just works as this kind of like North Star of a song. And it's catchy as hell and it's great. And it's probably, probably a bit of a, a hidden treasure. I don't know. Um, I haven't really kept up with his work in the last couple of years either, so maybe I should go back because they've all been well reviewed. But yeah, a bit of an underground act. Okay, uh, number four for me. I actually was going to pick this for a no ox chord the other day. Oh, okay. And as it turned out, as fate would have it, I was able to get it in here. So this is um, this is what happens when you have an incredible song and then you try and recapture that magic and you don't quite do it, but you still have a really good song. Oh, brilliant. Let go till you tell me to, Craig. It's boys to men, and I'll make love to you. The lead single off their second album. Yeah. How do you follow End of the Road? You can't. 
But they try. just keep singing it. <laughs> uh, is this like too close to that song, do you think? Is it just them being like, fuck it, let's just try it again? They get away with it though because of the quality. It's, yeah. it's, exact, it, it's exactly like, and no one said this ever before, the kinks with uh, You Got Me and All Day and All of the Night where it's just like, or You Really Got Me, where it's just like, similar riff, similar vibe, but it's literally at such a high tier that mm-hmm. it's just like, just milk this magic. We're in a really good spot yeah. and change it up and end out it's all And seriously, like, like yeah. if, if Craig proposed to me uh, to, not like marriage or some kind of polyamorous okay, yeah. relationship, um, but if he proposed to me that we turn this podcast into a boys to men podcast. A boys to men. Just, no, every, every week we just have to talk about how good end, end of the road is. Yeah, I'd be like, yeah, yeah that's yeah. fine because it's one of the greatest songs of all time. Uh, this is fun. It's so hilariously literal though, isn't it? And, you know, quite like fucking, you know, like, it's a bit presumptuous, isn't it? You know, I'll, I'll make love to you, you know? <laughs> you went very drawn at her I'll, ma- I'll make love to you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if that was drawn. I don't know uh, what that it's was. It's baby making music, isn't it? Well, it's written by Babyface. So there you go. Uh, commercial success. 14 weeks atop the Billboard Hot 100. Um, I think in Ireland it went to number seven in the charts. Only that's where it peaked. Ten weeks I on the chart. That was though. the number one in Ireland. It wasn't, sadly. The Irish public were... you know, the old Catholic guilt, maybe. Yeah, the Irish probably didn't want to be made love to. Yeah. No. Um, Larry Flick from Billboard said, uh, it's a sweeping pop R&B ballad. <laughs> Larry Flick, our old friend. The silky harmonies waft over a well-measured <laughs> arrangement, chock full of bright, glistening synths, and soft, yet punctuating percussion. Lovely sing-along chorus, initially will remind many of past glories, but the single... Ultimately, will provide a refreshing, cool breeze to any of the num- numerous radio formats. Well, you'll need it after that waft. It graces. <laughs> Mark Sutherland from Smash Hits gave it a three out of five, saying, "And this it says well, but it's W E E E L, like it's the fucking Big Show theme from WWE." Where's the Big Show. Uh, well, <laughs> in their big favor. Bad show tonight. It's a big bad show. Big show, everybody. In their uh, favor are the facts that they are still the meanest warblers in pop. And soul doesn't come much more silky or super smooth than this. Uh, against them is the fact that this is basically just end of the road with new lyrics and blimming presumptuous lyrics at that. Um, I think it's amazing. And of course, it has a ridiculous video and it has them all lining up to do what they can do, which is, you know, I'll now do this ridiculous harmony. You got to follow me. Uh, it's great. And it's so, it, like, it's very raunchy, isn't it? Oh, you know, yeah. It's, it's very a raunchy. It's a raunch, all right, yeah. Like, uh, let's go slow. <laughs> like, you know, like, I'm, I'm going to take my clothes off too. I love it. I've got to take my clothes it's, off. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Like, yeah. there's a Boys to Men Boulevard, I believe, in Philadelphia where they're So from, there should be. And I want to visit it. And take your clothes off and... No, that would be public indecency. <laughs> All right, okay. Public Maybe indec- not on that boulevard. Pu- public indecency <laughs> is the new Boys to Men album. Uh, they've, got a, they've got a Christmas album. Is it raunchy? I doubt it. It's Christmas. They presumably wanted to be oh, yeah, well, you, a, a stocking filler. Celebrate Christmas with yeah, it, yeah. If, if you will. Um, do you like the song? I do like this song. You just you're you're um, quoting music criticism there. It um it reminded me of my notes, and I'm just going to go back to Love Is Blindness if you don't mind. Sure, sure, yeah. I want to present a, a little bit of music writing um, without comment. Hot press editor Niall Stokes said. <laughs> Its sentiments made it the perfect conclusion to Octung Baby, describing the edges playing as a mournful, ejaculatory guitar solo, <laughs> stabbing out thick emotional blues Jesus. that linger and then fall away like tears. Now that doesn't sound For, wait, our former boss, like our former boss. <coughs> yeah. Now does it? 
Jesus fucking Christ. Um, well, on the subject of kind of, you know, uh, cringe-worthy stuff, can I just well, ask I you... Presented without comments. Yeah, well, no, I comment. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you know, it wouldn't be like me to, you know, go after hot press. Can I ask you the question, though, before we move on from this wonderful, wonderful song? How do you feel about the phrase, make love? Is it a bit weird? Or is it like, have you ever said it to anyone? <laughs> I'm going to make love to you. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to, hey, I'm going to take off all my clothes yeah. and I'm going to make gonna, love to you if that's also, cool. It's, it's not cool. called. It's, it's, <laughs> also, sound like a plan. Also, it's, it's not called. It's not called. Consent I'm to sexy, Dave. It's not called. I told you once said, yeah, and then apologized for it. It's not, um, uh, it's, it's not, I'm going to make love to you. It's all make love to you. It's even more. I'll make love to you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll make love I'll, to you. Or kind of like, yeah. It's a bit like she's she's a bit desperate. Or I don't if know. no one if no one else is up for it, I'll make love to you. <laughs> I don't think it is like that. I think it's more like, um, baby, we're gonna engage in sexual congress. It's happening. I think I prefer um, make love with. Because it's a two-way street. <laughs> yeah, two. Unless, of course, your unknown mortal orchestra. <laughs> uh, no, no, you, you raise a good question. Or, or, or a good, well, uh, I'll make love to you. It does sound a bit like one, one-sided, one doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, if, if yeah. you think about it, it's I'll quite... I'll make love um, with you. <laughs> it's quite patriarchal, to be honest. I just can't imagine saying, yeah, man, I made love last night. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you need to stick in a few sweets. It needs to be yeah, I made sweet, sweet love, sweet love last night. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, I wanna, yeah, I, I just I don't know. I've I've heard some I've heard some weird things out there, but I've never heard someone say I'm going to take you home, and make love to you. Yeah, well. I've heard some fucked up stuff though, which I shouldn't repeat on this podcast. Let's move on to my number three. Here's a marimba. say I'm actually I'm, I'm disgusted with myself not for the previous conversation <laughs> but because in my 18 track shortlist I somehow didn't think Overlooked of this it. and when you when that song played I don't know if Adam's leaving it in I fucking hollered this is one of the best songs of all time what a fucking it. choice yeah thank you very much I adore it um, shout out to the Psychedelic Furs who actually recorded it that's <laughs> Love My Way it's from 1982 and yeah that marimba it's Todd Rundgren on the marimba uh, what a man produced this song I think he did the whole album with them and just like expanded the horizons I don't actually know a huge amount about Psychedelic Furs do you? let's move on um, <laughs> <laughs> no it's just a great name it's a great name and they always struck me as they've got some great songs um, but just more like there was something slightly askew and cool about them in that whole genre of like new romantics there was a bit of grit to them and a bit of danger and actually the meaning behind this song it's popped up in so many places uh, it wasn't a massive hit I don't think it was in Valley Girl Nicolas Cage so that's probably why it kind of became attached to that period of time and then it was in like The Wedding Singer like retrospectively being shown to be a big 80s hit I it's suppose. also in Call Me By Your Name oh yeah yeah which it's hits a, different now doesn't it it's an army hammer dance away all innocent like such a nice scene great scene <laughs> yeah, uh, great scene in a, in a good film I would say overrated film yeah that's fair not an overrated song probably underrated yet again um 
And oh yeah, uh, there was just a quote about like what the actual song's about, and it's really straightforward, and it just stood out to me, and I kind of liked it. So the frontman of the group, Richard Butler, was talking about it. He said he had a specific audience in mind when he wrote the lyrics. Explained in an interview with Cream in 1983, it's basically addressed to people who are fucked up about their sexuality, and it says, "Don't worry about it. It was originally written for gay people." Oh. It's just like very no nonsense, and just like at a time when even kind of gay pop stars were more you know, ambiguous pop stars as movements were kind of, you know, the movement was kind of kicking into gear and finally, blessedly, things were changing in a tough decade, obviously, um, for that community. It's cool that there was just that solidarity and it does really work. It's kind of quite accepting song with a bit of danger to it. It's great. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, And I recently got back into it. Um, Apropos of nothing, I think it was just maybe it came on one day and I was like, you know what, why don't I love this song more? Why don't I listen to this song more? Uh, It still sounds fresh and amazing today and it's just, it's extremely feel good and like literally like when it came on there, I was like, oh fuck yeah. It's, it's, a flawless song. Yeah. It's, it's fucking great. It's the vocal as well. It's just, what was it about like 80s singers and kind of like British sounding voices where they were always kind of slightly off or not brilliant. Yeah. They sounded kind of like the vocal equivalent of like a warped VHS type. There's just a kind of warble in them or something that doesn't quite work. And you're like, I don't know if they'd make it now or they'd be auto-tuned to death. Yeah. There was just all those pop stars had something Slightly off, but brilliant. Well, I think like emotion. Bernard Sumner of New Order is probably the standout in that regard, right? Because like you 100%. never accuse him of being a good vocalist, but I, it works perfectly for that for that band. Yeah, yeah. It's I wouldn't want anyone of... else in there doing like like I love his vocals, but like I guess put him in any other context, maybe it just doesn't work at all. Yeah, no, it is that naive kind of dance thing that New Order were doing at the time is just really joyous. Mark Ahmed as well. Um, some of his kind of kitchen sink lyrics and things where it's just like where are you straining for the note it's just way more impactful than actually if he was just nailing it every time so yeah a kind of a weird 80s thing I suppose okay um, my number three is one that I also don't think I've picked this before and it will give me a good chance to get into an I've interviewed him before anecdote Yay. here we go <laughs> Heights of number two in the UK singles chart and number three in the Irish singles chart. Coward's not putting this at number one. Mm. It is Billy Ocean with the amazing Love Really Hurts Without You. Cracker. Um, an absolute cracker. It's incredible. What a song. And it's one of those great songs where it's like, it's really sad, but here's an upbeat pop song, I suppose. Uh, so Billy Ocean, I did in fact interview him over the phone once for Hot Press. Can you guess what feature it was for, Craig? Quickie, was it? Of course it was yeah. for the template question quickie. Template questions, the best interviews. Yeah. yeah, and you get cool people like Billy Ocean, and yeah. he, he was cool, of course. And I, I must say, I greatly enjoyed... Um, throwing in a non-quickie question when I said to him, I think at the end of the phone call, I was like, hey, Billy, uh, I was like, I got to ask you, man, I got to ask you, you know, when the going gets tough, what does Billy Ocean do? And Billy Ocean said, 
Shrink. No, it's, it's even better. <laughs> he, he said, um, I do <laughs> I do what the song says. The tough get going. And I'm like, that's not... That's not that doesn't make grammatical sense at all. I do what the song says. The tough get going. Did he say, say that in a very confident way? Oh, yeah. Did he, okay. Oh, yeah. Complete, like, so, so confident. Like, okay. a mixture of confidence and fuck you for asking me this question, I presume. <laughs> like, but he was cool. And he is cool. Um... Yeah, um, I don't have a lot to say about the song other than I think it's absolutely amazing. Uh, I, I put it up there with like, you know, Higher and Higher and Build Me Up Buttercup and that kind of upbeat pop sad song style. I was instantly thinking Build Me Up Buttercup because I was like, did this, was this, this reminds me of the kind of song that would play at like the kind of end credits of a comedy in the 90s. Was it in one of those? It plays over the end credits of a very dark comedy from 2013, which is <laughs> Filth, starring James McAvoy. I didn't see that it one. It's the adaptation of an Irvin Welsh novel and it's a bit of a fucked up film. Um... I don't know how successful that film is. I remember thinking it was better than I thought it would be. And I will say, it's got a super fucking dark ending. And then this kicks in, in that kind of ironic style. And I thought it worked. I don't know, I don't know, eight years on or nine years on, Jesus, would I, would I still think the same thing? But I found it very effective at the time. And uh, yeah, he's, um, he's a hell of an interesting guy, Billy Ocean. And this song fucking rules. I love it. Yeah, I adore it too. Okay, my runner up. Um, let's go to. Manchester's finest? The Division, um, it's Love Will Tear Us Apart and yeah Dave you said of course when it kicked in and it did feel like it was maybe the first song that jumped into my head when we picked this um, top five and my second thought was that's a very obvious choice and is it even like I don't listen to it I haven't gone back to it in a couple of years and I threw it on I was like oh wow this retains all of the power I remember why I absolutely fell for this as a teenager Probably initially heard it like it was already a weird kind of classic and in the public conscious. Like it was in, was it in a Heineken ad or something? I just remember growing up and this song was one of those songs that was like, there she goes or any kind of Motown song. It just seemed to be in the ether and not unattached from the kind of darkness and coolness of Joy Division. It's so fucking weird that it ends up in in ads. Like, I mean, it's it's (sighs) such a dark song. Yeah. Love will tear us apart. Hugely. Um, Ian Curtis kind of doing... A bit of a Sinatra croon, as much as he could to it. Um, I was reading about this song during the week, and I didn't realise that one of his big influences was um, Jim Morrison, which kind of made me, one of his favourite bands was The Doors. Uh, (laughs) We're not all perfect. (laughs) Um, But there is, yeah, there's kind of a deep depth to his voice on this one. It's great. Like, he does kind of quite, quietly croon it um, lyrically kind of devastating he's going through his marriage was breaking up he was still an extremely young man he got married way too young he was having a lot of health issues obviously and he wasn't long for the world unfortunately um, I think I think I'm right in thinking this came out after his passing um, it was a, a big enough hit I think it was like number 13 or something that summer in 1980 and then Closer came out after it and it's not on that album um, which is way more um, 
funereal, not you know, just because it is a very fitting fitting word. And it's not one I go back to too much. I think I'm more of an unknown pleasures guy. I like their spikier stuff. I like their post-punk stuff. This is, yeah, there's a weird magic to it. It's not quite like anything else they did. The synth to it is great. It's kind of a dirge, but it's oddly uplifting. I don't know what it is, the power to it. Somehow it gets you through. Somehow it kind of picks you up, even though it's so defeated in so many ways. I don't know. It's a mystery. It's a kind of enigma to me. Yeah, it's one of the great weird duality juxtaposition songs ever one of the great songs ever and it's still so powerful even hearing it come on on Adam's speakers there I was like Jesus Christ that guitar those drums those vocals it's just it's literally perfect Um, they were singing at at Old Trafford there last night they were singing Fred Fred will tear you apart oh so they've updated it from they've taken off they've taken off Ryan Giggs good good I was delighted for Fred last night so was I yeah that's Fred's a very likeable guy and apparently it was put to him afterwards like like a a journalist said to him like Joy Division head (laughs) no but they're just like I think even he gets it. He's like, yeah, they're singing that ironically because you know, you know, like he's Fred's a bit of a maligned footballer, even though I think he's actually quite good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's it's weird how it has a legacy and how it still you know is used in different contexts and ultimately, yeah, is a devastating song. And the life of Ian Curtis is, is remains really really tragic. And Joy Division are one of those acts that. I admire more than I really engage with, but mm. when when you do engage with them and songs like this and songs like Atmosphere and New Dawn Fades, they have another worldly power to them, even outside of the context of Ian Curtis. Yeah, and very much so. Also, like one of the best names in music, uh, Joy Division, yeah. New Order, also one of the best names in music. I mean, like what a strange kind of stylistically they were so on so, point even the yeah. sleeves and everything just oh, the yeah. art direction the way they presented themselves they were magnificent yeah and still influential to this day I mean like I has has Dara from Gilliband ever said Ian Curtis I, I don't know I mean like you know like it's just like the style you know like the kind of the post-punk thing but like I think some acts kind of take on the energy differently and yeah. a song like this is timeless will always be timeless and you know you say it might be an obvious pick but it, it's a it's a perfect pick uh, and that's your runner-up. What the fuck you got for number one? Oh, but here's no. my runner-up. I've referenced this song constantly on this show. I don't think I've picked it before, but it is, for my money, one of the most passive-aggressive songs of all time. And I've been so caught up in my job Didn't see what's going on But now I know I'm better sleeping on my own Cause if you like it's Justin Bieber, it's Love Yourself And I kicked it off there with that line That brutal, violent line You know my mama don't like you and she likes everyone that is such a horrific thing to say to anyone, especially a woman. So it could only come from the poison pen of Ed Sheeran. I was just going to say, he wasn't really thinking of her mental health in that instance, was he? <laughs> no, he certainly wasn't. So Ed Sheeran wrote this song. And apparently um, it was written for one of his Divide album, possibly. But he was going to just throw, he wasn't going to pick it. He was, he, so he was going to throw it out. And Do you end. reckon maybe because of that sentiment he just felt like this isn't quite my image yet? I, <laughs> or, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, like there was some fucked up songs like New Boyfriend on that record, yeah, you know, where true. it was, been as, you know, I remember we had Selena Murphy of Hot Press fame was on with our review that time way back when. And I remember, I remember her being like, Ed, 
she she deserves love, you know, like like it's like you can't just because he's like <laughs> that was hilarious. It's just like what the fuck are you doing? Um, Justin Bieber said, um, "It's just me and a guitar." That's how I started playing on the street with a guitar. And Ed Sheeran is one of the most talented writers in the game right now. So to have his input and his stories and our stories and match them up together and say, "What have you been through?" and telling the same story, it was a process getting us together, you know, in the same room because did a lot of it separate. He's a good guy, super talented, really good songwriter. So to be able to work with that caliber songwriter was really, really awesome. So Sheeran said, yeah, um, it would have been scrapped before Bieber took the song. It's a kiss-off to a narcissistic ex-lover who did the protagonist wrong. Uh, so there you go. Criticizing a girl for loving herself too much. People thought it was about Selena Gomez, but obviously Ed Sheeran wrote it. So yeah, um, yeah I, I, I will say this, right? First of all, it's off the album Purpose by Justin Bieber, which I think has an incredible opening five-track run. Okay, And this is in those five tracks. I think that this is a genuinely incredible song. And I do think, I do wonder if I would feel the same way if Sheeran did it. Because, I mean, like, I, I don't know. Maybe there's too much baggage there. It's and perfect I, for Bieber. This is the thing. And I think it, I, 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 I think you are dead on. I think it is perfect for Bieber because there's just something about him and mm. this song and those lines and even the way it is recorded it does something about it that makes it that little bit more knife edgy. Yeah. And also I think if you break it down to its basic parts, it's 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 a very well written song. It's it's got really good melody. I love the the simplicity of it, the restraint of it. And I when I saw Ed Sheeran earlier this year, which I keep reminding myself <laughs> that I did, when he played this, this got the biggest reaction. Really? And I, I was like, that was very telling. That's I wonder how he feels about that. Yeah, well he, I guess he's it's like, it, I, I wrote the song. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, you know, it's his song, but like Honestly, like I think this is a fucking brilliant, brilliant, brilliant song. And like going back to it, like the la- like the last day or so, listening to it, I was like, yeah, this is flawless. This is a flawless pop song, and it's brutal and it's mean, and it's nasty, and that's okay because it's written and performed so fucking well. This is an excellent song. Yeah, I think Justin Bieber has just enough of the right kind of dark charm where he's you know very easily the the kind of pin up Hollywood anti hero. Whereas I think if Ed Sheeran does this he's just like a he's just an ITV villain or something do you wow. know what I mean um, I mean I don't know I mean like it's like would it have stood out in the fucking Sheeran barrage though or would it have been just another song I think it would have just been another one of those yeah ones that's the Bieber by. thing does take it into a weird kind of Hollywood villain territory like as you say like, like there's something about it where it's like Bieber's really good at being detached and kind of cold behind the eyes yeah and this works perfectly for that and on that record as well because like there's something about that album, like I mean, like where it's 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 quite bitter, and this song is so fucking bitter. So yeah, it had to go in, had to go in. Is there going to be a like a resurgent Q magazine doing a kind of cover mount? What's the equivalent? Well, Q magazine is no longer days? with us. Unfortunately. A memory stick is that what the kids listen to? <laughs> yeah, mem- but of Ed Sheeran stuff being covered, and you're going to be like, wow, all of these songs are fantastic. Well, that would actually Three be really, that would actually be a really interesting project. Yeah, if you were to pick. 10 Ed Sheeran songs to recontextualize them and who would you have cover them what would they be you could because like the thing about it like we talked to death about Ed Sheeran but like I would never call him a bad songwriter no I mean he's extremely successful but there's something there that doesn't quite work for me and I've never fully understood but that's a conversation for another day yeah let's have my number one and I couldn't like I didn't pick Love Will Tear Us Apart as my number one because it's just such a sad note to end on so I'm going with pure outpouring of sunshine love and also it's another one of those where I was very much I had this in mind um, and imagining them through this studio's speakers 
and I'm hoping it's going to be glorious. So sorry, listener, but this is just for me. <laughs> and me. And Adam. throwback classic so I'm going with a pure love song it's Burt Bacharach and Hal David this guy's in love with you that is a, I think that might be a 90s version of Burt Bacharach and his like orchestra doing it and you can hear him doing like some ba ba buzz in his frail kind of charming way um, in the background the original version was Herb Albert um, who I think it was like back in the kind of Brill building days of like songwriting teams and stuff and Herb was um, a singer kind of without a hit and he was like wandering the corridors just checking in on different songwriting teams being like, you got any spare songs that I could I could <laughs> do something with? And he like stumbled across Burt Backrack and he's like, yeah, like look in that cabinet over there. I think we've like a song that we're not using and he discovered this. Um, did it on a TV special. America Went Wild, so they had to record it as a single. It went to number one in the States. My favourite Burt Bacharach song. I adore Burt Bacharach. I think he's one of the greatest melody writers of all time. I'm a sucker for his just... Uh, so many imitators of him just get way too saccharine and stuff but he is a genius his melodies are sumptuous and brilliant and it gives you that shot of nostalgia for a time you weren't actually a part of uh, every time and what I love about the sentiment that this song it's not kind of like it's not your straightforward love thing it's actually it, there is actually a deal of sadness to it it's quite tentative but it's just it's the way it swoops the, the instruments coming in at different times there's a kind of bursting of the clouds and kind of there's a lot of hope to it as well and um, yeah chills whenever I hear this I love it uh, yeah, uh, I don't know how to follow that. Uh, right. Apart from to say that uh, when you said in your intro that you didn't want to go out on a sad note, I was I, like, I was like, I'll leave that to Dave. I was like, great, <laughs> because yeah, um, right. for my number one, I am bringing us to a very, very, very sad place. But I do think that this is uh, a really, really beautiful song about a very, very difficult subject. Um, and, you know, getting this down to five songs out of the shortlisted 18 and even the ones that you've picked. I mean, it turns out, Craig, uh, who knew? There are lots of amazing songs with the word love in the title. Uh, but this is the number one for me. And going back to it last night while I listened to it, I was entranced by it completely. And okay. I cried. I cried listening to this song because I think it is that powerful and that brilliant. And here is my number one. That is Fistful of Love by Anthony and the Johnsons, the former project of Anony. Yeah. 
Uh, wouldn't mind a new Anani album right about now. I know. I'll tell you, I'll tell Jeepers, you. it's been a minute. It's been six years, yeah. Since uh, Hold on, six years? Since the Anani, the, the album, yeah. Hopelessness, right? Okay, yeah, because we did it on the podcast and now I'm just like we've been doing the podcast six years. Anthony yeah. the Johnson's former project. Uh, this song is called Fistful of Love. It is from the record I Am A Bird Now, which came out in 2005. It won the Mercury Music Prize, actually. Much to the chagrin of the Kaiser Chiefs, uh, Corey Taylor's favourite band. Their album Employment did not win, and did they, they call out. Yeah, Anani. Really? They, they said Anani got in on a technicality. Despite oh, because born in the UK, or, yeah. born in the UK, but spent much of her time in the US. Although they later apologized for saying that she wasn't a deserving winner. So, okay. anyway. Uh, I'm sorry, but that album is unbelievable. Incredible, um, absolute masterpiece. There's yeah. also a song on there called Hope There's Someone, if you want to Oh my God. If, if you want to be shattered completely. So good. And You Are My Sister is another favourite of mine. Boy George's voice, and that's brilliant. It's an outstanding record. Yeah. Lou Reed is on this track, um, opening this track, Fistful of Love, with this kind of monologue. Um, it's it's one of the greatest songs of all time and I said it was about difficult subject matter it is it's about uh, domestic violence and it's written from the perspective of a victim and it's written from the perspective of a victim who is clearly uh, in denial or you know at at the very least is trying to rationalise their situation and trying to believe that what is happening to them is because of love and you've lyrics like and I accept and I collect upon my body the memories of your devotion. I feel your fists and I know it's out of love. And I I feel the whip and I know it's out of love. I feel your burning eyes, burning holes straight through my heart. It's out of love. Um, and mm. I, I think, I, I, I can't think Adam, of... Adam, do we have any more Bert? <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of many artists who could get away yeah. with um, putting out a song of this nature and making it beautiful. And it is beautiful. Um, it is such a beautiful song. It is so, there's so much humanity and empathy and love in this song. Uh, the musical arrangement is stops me in my tracks. Uh, everything about it, the way it sounds, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, like there's a guitar crunch or rather a jangle or whatever in this that I would put up there with like Radiohead's and Creep. The, the Even the sound of drums coming in at the end, just a very straightforward floor tom and snare and, and bass drum kind of lift. It's just little touches that raise this into this kind of incredible ascendancy and uh, and uh, at the heart of it of course Anani's vocals which oh. are just otherworldly spellbinding otherworldly completely unique and incredible and it's just such a powerful powerful piece of music and again I listened to it last night three times in a row at my desk while I was you know putting this together and yeah I, I, I fucking wept I was just like this is so astonishing it's so heavy and it's it, like you know, it's 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 not dissimilar to what you were saying about Love Will Tear Us Apart. This song is it's so sad. Mm. It's a heartbreaking song, but I do think that there is a hopeful thing in there. And again, I just to have that level of skill to yeah. not trivialize the subject matter at this and to not make it some kind of exploitation, but instead to somehow empower this, presumably fictional, I don't know, um, person at the heart of it in a horrendous situation by the sounds of things and to make this just this outstanding outstanding piece of music and and, and wonderful love letter if you will it blew me the fuck away the first time I heard it and I haven't heard it in a while because like it's it's not you know you, you wouldn't throw on I'm a bird now yeah. uh, unless you're in the mood because again it's it's such a knockout of a record um but this song is unbelievable. Um, it truly, truly is unbelievable. Um, last week I picked Better Nails by Wild Beasts as my number one. I, I was saying to you, I was like, well, this is one of the best number ones I've ever picked. And this is up there as well. This mm. is... I agree on both counts, yeah. Just an astounding song um, from an incredible record and an amazing artist who, again, 
I really would like to hear more new, mu- new music from, please. Yeah, I remember seeing Anani in Vicker Street years back at this stage, probably, but just absolutely blown away. That voice is just something else. And yeah, I remember when that record came out, um, it was unlike anything I think I'd heard. Just so, yeah, the, the songwriting is so dexterous and how they pull off, oh, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, it totally is an album of like using fragility coming from point of fragility and that becoming a strength and somehow it all all works uh, masterful brilliant number one the first time i heard hope there's someone again i was like oh it was in bits yeah <laughs> like yeah amazing incredible absolutely incredible um how to follow that impossible you can't so i'll just say thank you sonic architect adam for Thanks, having adam. us this week and for always having us and always uh making sure that the show is full of love of course uh, as one does next week on the show craig uh taylor swift or arctic monkeys what are you feeling uh, Taylor Swift, please stay. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Goodbye, oh, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>